0: Welcome to the Marketing Automation Moment podcast. I'm Hannah Kelly.
1: And I'm Mike Maynard. This is Napier's podcast to tell you about the latest news from the world of marketing automation.
0: Welcome to the Marketing Automation Moment podcast. I'm Hannah Kelly.
1: And I'm Mike Maynard.
0: This week, we talk about marketing automation platforms using AI.
1: MailChimp getting hacked.
0: How many people are replacing marketing automation systems?
1: And we give you tips on how to get the most from your marketing automation system.
0: Hi, Mike. It's great to see you. And it's good to be back for another episode of the Marketing to Automation Moment.
1: Hi, Hannah. Well, it's uh, going to be fun. I think there's been quite a lot happened in the world of marketing automation. A lot of it around, I guess, AI.
0: Yes, definitely. And I really want to talk about what I think is the buzzword of 2023 so far. And that's ChatGPT. I mean, this seems to have blown a lot of marketers' minds. It's all over LinkedIn. It's all over Twitter. Everywhere you look, you're looking at a reference to ChatGPT. So I was really interested to come across that an e-commerce focused marketing automation platform called Bloomreach had actually made an integration with ChatGPT. For me, this is moving quite quickly. You know, ChatGPT has only been around a couple of months and suddenly there's integrations. What does this mean for the marketing automation landscape?
1: Yeah, well, I think people have seen ChatGPT. It's hit mainstream media and everyone's got really excited. I'm um, actually, you know, what you need to do is understand the background. And ChatGPT is based on this artificial intelligence um, model that is actually GPT-3. Not surprisingly, there's been previous versions of GPT. This is just the latest one. And so I think, you know, people are getting really excited about this, but it has been somewhat of an evolution to get to this point. And interestingly, you know, Bloomreach talk about integrating ChatGPT. I mean, I, I'm interested to know whether it's actually the Chat client that they're integrating or whether it's just the uh, the model. Um, it sounds from what they're saying, like they've literally just put ChatGPT as part of the uh, the product and then allowing people to type in and say, write a sales email for me, which obviously ChatGPT does and, and does very well. But it, it's a little bit formulaic, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's interesting because the way they've looked at the integration or, or the way they're promoting the integration is really around the content aspects of subject lines, headlines, Google ad headlines within the actual platform itself. But, and I know he won't mind us saying this, but we actually had a chat a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Mike, with one of our other directors, Ian, and he was mentioning how excited he'd got about Chat GPT, but when he actually looked into it a little bit further he realized that there was perhaps some issues on just relying on an AI platform like this to build kind of the emails and the the Google ads and the things needed for social media campaigns.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things. And um, if, if you're older like me, you'll know when I say I'm as excited about ChatGPT as I was when I first saw the program Eliza, which was an AI program or at least a pseudo AI program written back in the 1960s. So, you know, it's very exciting. It can do a lot of things, but it's not a complete solution. We were testing out a tool that was using the same model as ChatGPT to write headlines for Google Ads. And actually, you know, within the company, we found a couple of problems. Number one, it didn't seem very good at writing headlines that fitted within the maximum character limits. So you'd have to go and edit anyway. And secondly, and this gives away, you know, how healthy I am, We were testing it by getting it to write um, ads for Milky Bar, which is a white chocolate bar available in the UK. I don't think the American uh, listeners will know about this. One of the greatest foods in the world, clearly, but contains lots of things that um, could cause problems with um, people with allergies. So it's not gluten-free. It's obviously got milk products in, et cetera, et cetera. And ChatGPT just decided to write all these headlines about how uh, it's allergen-free, which is kind of scary. I think You know, if you you look at what was said, so Sam Altman runs the company OpenAI that basically created the GPT model and ChatGPT, and someone asked him about the errors that ChatGPT makes, which, which, you know, have been pretty well documented. And his answer was, well, you don't understand. We didn't try and build ChatGPT to be right. We tried to build it to repeat what, you know, other people have said on the internet. So I think, you know, it's important to understand that whilst it can help and accelerate, today, it's not quite at the stage where it's going to replace people completely.
0: That's such an interesting point, Mike, about what it's been built for to replicate what's already been done on the Internet rather than to be this innovation tool for something original. And I think that's definitely something that marketers need to keep in mind. It's using data that's been used before. It's not this innovative tool that's going to provide all these original ideas to make the campaigns more successful. It might save you time, but with regards to actually getting these new outlooks and these new formats, it's not the tool for that.
1: No, for sure. It it definitely hasn't got to the point where it's got sort of innovation and insight in the way that we use it when talking about humans.
0: Definitely. And I think the mention of data really links on well to our next point. And I was actually quite shocked to see this. You might not be as shocked, Mike, but I saw an article recently that the email um, marketing platform MailChimp's actually been hacked for the second time in six months. To me, that was quite shocking because I actually had a conversation with a client the other day where they were like, you know, is our data safe on market automation platforms? You know, what happens if it fails? What happens if it goes down? And we were sat in this call being like, no, don't worry. These platforms know how to protect data. Like we can do backups. It's all okay. And then I see this and I'm like, oh, is data not as safe as we think it is?
1: Yeah, I I think it's. It's a really interesting question, and it's a problem that probably should be in the uh, discussions for IT people about the cloud, because it's really hard to, you know, say, yes, you can trust cloud-based services. But equally, I think it's important to look at what happens. So this was an attack that appeared to be targeted around some specific accounts. Mm-hmm. They accessed 133 accounts, which is not good, but it's 133 out of what MailChimp claim are millions of customers worldwide. So a very, very small percentage, and obviously it's been um, addressed. I I, I do think it was a little bit of a concern that MailChimp weren't completely open with this. And actually one of the customers who was hacked kind of revealed that this had happened, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you know, one of the biggest jobs of any marketing automation platform is data security. And you've got to figure that um, if you're a target, putting the data with the experts is probably more likely to make the data safe than trying to manage it yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, MailChimp's got far more resources to apply to uh, data security around marketing data than probably any customer, don't you think?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you make a good point because we can't protect our data as well as perhaps, you know, a platform like MailChimp, which has these massive IT departments can. So there is an aspect of really putting a faith in a system when you sign up with them. And I think, you know, customers are aware of that. And obviously it's not ideal that this has happened, but if it is going to happen, as you said, it's only a small amount of accounts and it's not like millions of people have been compromised.
1: Yeah, but I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it, it's concerning. You don't want these breaches to, to happen. And certainly, you know, as you pointed out, it was the second time in six months, you know, so, so MailChimp, I, I know you're working really hard, but guys, you, you've got to step it up.
0: I definitely agreed. So this relates nicely onto to how are marketers choosing the right market automation platforms? And we've spoken a bit in our last podcast, Mike, about demos and what marketers should be asking in their demos. But I actually came across a report from MarTech. So it was a MarTech replacement survey. And it actually revealed that in 2022, 23% of respondents actually replaced their market automation solution with a different platform. So they weren't happy with what they were getting from this platform, and they actually went out and got a new solution. What do you think it could be that why are marketers making these mistakes and not choosing the right platform from the get-go?
1: That's a great question. I I think there's a couple of answers to that. I mean, one is changing a platform doesn't necessarily mean you made a mistake. There could be other reasons. Things could have changed. New products could have come online. The other thing is I think we need to understand you know, a bit more about the audience and and the reality is, is that very large companies are not changing their marketing automation platforms frequently. They're making investments and they're they're really betting for 10 years or more because of the cost of switching from one platform to another. You have companies um, using marketing automation that might have tens of thousands of landing pages or, you know, thousands of forms. When you, you look at, you know, a large enterprise with multilingual Uh, landing pages and forms and lots of products, they're not the people who are churning very quickly. This is definitely smaller and mid-sized companies. And I think there's a lot of reasons behind that. And probably most of the reason, you know, might be down to the fact that actually these companies are learning about marketing automation, developing their skills, and then realizing they need something different once they've got more knowledge.
0: That's a definitely less cynical point of view than my view, Mike. I think you (laughs) make some really interesting points because We've talked about this before as well, but there are different levels of the market automation system. So if you are starting out with something simple like MailChimp, for example, as you mentioned, when you grow your skills and your company grows and you realize you need something bigger and better, then you are going to see a switch to market automation platform. So that's a real fantastic point and definitely a more positive spin of actually the companies are growing. So it's more of a positive than a negative thing.
1: Yeah. And I also think, I mean, if you look at the data, it actually said that the percentage changing uh, in 22 was down a bit versus 2021. So, you know, maybe people are actually settling a bit more. Obviously, two data points, it's it's difficult to draw too much for conclusion. Mm-hmm. But there was a big jump, for example, in the number of people who changed um, SEO tools. And historically, that had been quite small. Now it's jumped up. I think a lot of it is just around maturity of the technology and people internally, but, you know, working out what they need but also the fact that these tools are changing quite quickly. And so I think those two things are driving a need to perhaps change more often than people want.
0: Absolutely. It really is driving the need. That's a really great point, Mike. So if we have a look at market automation platforms, we've spent a lot of time talking about the marketing side. We've talked about workflows. We've talked about content emails. But what I'd be really interested to talk about is what are the benefits to sales? And I ask this because ActiveCampaign have recently released a report and it's from a direct client called Preview Me, and it actually revealed that sale reps from this company are saving one day per week by automating repetitive tasks. And I think it's such an obvious and simple thing, but perhaps something that isn't talked about enough because marketing automation platforms are meant to support both marketing and sales teams so what do you think are the real key benefits of a marketing automation platform for sales?
1: I mean it's a great question and and it's really difficult because in the past you used to have a CRM system and that was different to your marketing now the CRM like Active Campaign, is integrated into the marketing uh, automation tool. I mean it's really hard you know you talk about saving one day a week saving one day a week compared to what and I I know I'm the cynical guy here, but, you know, were they just really inefficient beforehand or did they have some competitive tool and actually campaign is that much better? I suspect, you know, the story is a bit of both, but it is an interesting story. And I do believe that, you know, if you look at both marketing activities and sales activities, when they use automation, people can save a lot of time. One of the challenges is is really building up the right automations. I mean, we have the same problem at, at Napier where you know, I'm sure there's a lot more we could automate in our um, marketing automation platform. And it's just a matter of having time and resources to build the logic to actually make that work automatically.
0: Absolutely. And I think I would debate you on one of your points there, Mike, because you mentioned, you know, are the sales team ineffective? You make a good point. We can't compare it to any sets of data. But I think that is one of the key points of a system like this for sales reps is that even if they are a little bit inefficient, The platforms are meant to make them as effective as possible to let them do their jobs easier.
1: Yeah. And and I'm not arguing the platforms don't work. I mean, (laughs) you're absolutely right. The platforms are are really good. I think the question is, is it's saving one day versus what? Mm -hmm. You know, I I mean, we're a marketing agency. We we write a lot of press releases. And this is, I think, one of the dirty secrets that we're probably not allowed to admit, but we're going to admit to the listeners now. Writing press releases where you have a relative comparison. You know, this product is 10% better. And then you just move on. Actually, you haven't compared it to anything 10% better than what? And I think that's always always a difficulty. You look at um, this saving one day a week. What was it? How did they do it? Why was that the case? And, and really, I think, you know, although it made a great press release, and, and we certainly looked at it and liked it, I'd love to see a much more in-depth case study explaining exactly what happened and what sort of automations they implemented and why they saved so much time
0: releasing all of our industry secrets there, Mike, you are. But yeah, I definitely agree. It would be good to see a bit more of an in-depth review and analysis of how is it supporting them and have that a little bit more data around how it could be saving them this much time.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, it went to marketing people like us and and clearly someone just got really excited by the number. I mean, it's actually over $10,000 a year if you look at the average sales rep you know, compensation. So you know it is a really big deal and and it's just like it, it's really exciting. it's a great headline. I think to be really useful to people, I'd love to see more detail.
0: Absolutely. So to end off our podcast, as always, Mike, I want to have a bit of a chat about our insightful tip of the week. And this week, I'd like to have a bit of a discussion about really using market automation platforms to its full potential. So often companies sign up to these market automation platforms, but they don't really have a strategy or have planned what they're going to use the platform for. So they've got, you know, a big suite such as HubSpot, for example, that's got everything from workflows, automations, you know, optimizations, SEO, but they're literally just sending email campaigns out on the platform. So what can companies do to really just make sure that they've got a good plan in place before they launch their market automation platform?
1: I love this question. I, th- I think it's a great question. It, it comes to the the real hub of some problems where, you know, we have clients who basically have expensive market automation sy- systems that predominantly just send out newsletters. I mean, I mean, one of the solutions is don't spend all that money. If you just want to send newsletters, go use something like MailChimp or um, Constant Contact, mm-hmm. and that that would solve the problem. But but I think, the you know, the other answer is much more about thinking about and planning campaigns, actually spending some time considering how you can use those um, those capabilities. And I know this is something you've done quite a lot with Napier's tools.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's taken a bit of a wider view. And I think this is what we do with clients. You know, I can't resist the plug. You know, I can't mic. It's part of my job role. <laughs> but when we take a look at campaigns, whether it be Napier or with our clients, we look at what else we can do around to support that message. So If it's a product launch, yes, let's do these PR aspects, but how can we use the master automation platform to also get that message out to the database, find new context to get it out to new prospects? And I think it's taken a wider look at, okay, we've got this platform, what campaigns are we running? How can we utilize this platform to make our campaigns more effective and more successful?
1: I, I mean, again, Great point. Think of it from the point of view of the campaigns and, and how you can make them more successful. I think, you know, the other thing is is there's a balance. You know, you shouldn't just use um, a marketing automation tool as a, a, an email distribution tool. I mean, that's that's silly. That's a waste of money. But equally, I think, you know, and let's be honest, it probably applies to us as well. I don't think anyone really uses 100% of the capabilities. So look at all the features, look at what the, the platform can do. And make use of as many of those features that are relevant to you as possible without really killing yourself to try and tick all the boxes, because that can actually be counterproductive. You can spend a lot of time and get, you know, limited benefit.
0: And times and resources, you know, as you mentioned previously, that's always going to be an issue. So as you said, it's a fine line, but it's balancing. What can you implement that's going to make the real difference? And also, don't be scared to ask people around you, ask the experts around you, get, you know, a third insight opinion on how can I do these campaigns? How can I use my resources effectively to basically build the best marketing automation campaigns that I can?
1: I think that's great advice. I I mean, it's really good. And probably the sort of advice we should end the podcast on because uh, that's a great thing for, for listeners to take away.
0: Definitely. Well, thanks so much for joining me again this week, Mike. It's been a great conversation as always. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Automation Moment podcast.
1: Don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast application and we'll see you next time.